Peace of Jesus Christ be with you. Lost and found. And 99 make 100. Here are very familiar parables to us, and they're quite fit to celebrate Gathering Sunday. However, I don't believe these parables are about errant sheep or sinners finding their way back to God. That's not how the plot of these parables flows. Rather, these parables are about whole-making, the grand ingathering of grace, the determined persistence of God to gather all of creation into the unity of love. It's a bit of a cosmic game of hide-and-seek, and that's what makes these parables great for Gathering Sunday. So let's take a little look at these parables to think about what makes whole-making happen. Well, first it's about having the skill to discern the whole and pursue its goodness. To understand this, we look at verses 1 and 2. Now, all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So why did Jesus receive tax collectors and sinners? especially at the expense of disapproval from Pharisees. Most often we take this as Jesus' support for those at the margins, a politics and a theology of the margins, if you will, and we leave it at that. But such theology and politics are slippery because of the subjectivity of the margins. One person's margin is another person's center. And polarizations of power usually ensue. Marginalization is not enough because it tends to stereotype folks without regard for their person or power. Jesus' interests, I think, were a bit more complex, a bit more deeper. And I think we see it in the labels in these verses. The first label is the label tax collector. Now it's a translation of the word telones, which in itself is a compound word made up of telos, meaning goal, end, or purpose, and oniomai. <laughs> meaning to buy. Tax collectors were people skilled at buying goals. Now we're not talking about those who fix NFL games. It's a different kind of goal. They saw opportunity and knew how to pursue it. They saw the big picture and tried to make it work. They were good at connecting to make good things happen, at least what they considered to be good and good for themselves. So that's the one label, tax collectors, connectors, goal pursuers. On the other hand, Pharisees 
Well, the word says it all. Pharisees means separated ones. They're the ones who are skilled in making distinctions and separations. They may have seen the big picture, but they chopped it down to size, to size that they could control, that they could manage, that they could keep within their bounds. To Jesus, the connecting skills of tax collectors was more useful than the segregating skills of Pharisees. This is the first hint in these parables of God's interest in making things whole, gathering all into the unity of love. To gather all into the unity of love, you need the skills that tax collectors have. That might be in part why Jesus paid them attention. And truth be told, they responded quite well to his attention, perhaps better even than the Pharisees did. Think of Matthew, one of Jesus' disciples, a former tax collector. Think of Zacchaeus, who revised his life according to what Jesus said in Jesus' hospitality and then made recompense toward it. It's not a surprise that Jesus searched out these folks in building the beloved community. And it's a reminder to us to be expansive, generous, and inclusive in our gathering practices this Sunday, all Sundays, indeed for all of life. So the first lesson in the parable is actually in those who are gathered and how Jesus gathers them. The second is verses 4 and 8 in these parables. And they ask, who's responsible for the lostness of the sheep or the coin? Whose responsibility is it that the coin is lost, that the sheep is lost? And they ask that question, or they invite us to ask that question, because that helps us understand motivation and energy in God's gathering and movement. Verse 4, what man having a hundred sheep loses one? Verse 8, what woman having ten drachma loses one? In both cases, it's the same verb, to lose. It's aorist active. What that means, it's a snapshot picture of an event that happened with clear attribution of who's doing the acting. So what happened? The shepherd lost the sheep. Our usual understanding is that the sheep lose themselves, but that's not what the parable says. The woman lost the coin. Somehow gravity didn't randomly invite the coin to roll under the couch. No, the woman 
lost the coin. There is no fudging the responsibility in this parable by using the passive voice, by saying that, well, the sheep, they lost themselves, or the coin, it rolled away in its own. We can't speak of any awareness that the sheep or the coin had other than they were being sheep or coins. The responsibility for lostness belongs to the shepherd and the woman, and that affects the search, the ingathering. The same thing happens in our house with car keys. The keys don't lose themselves. And if you've ever lost your car keys, then you know the point Jesus is making here. When I lose my car, our car keys, time stops. The house is upended and all people in the house are recruited into the action of searching for the car keys, even if it was my fault. Often, they're found in my jacket pocket. If you know this, then you know God's motivation, you know God's desire, you know God's energy. You know God's heart in gathering all creation into the unity of love. There's an interesting addendum here kind of a theological discussion about God losing things. Do we really think that's possible? But that's not really what's pertinent here. What's more pertinent is God's pursuit of us in love with all the tenacity of looking for lost car keys. That's the parable. It's an invitation to think about our own motivation and energy in today's gathering practices. How will we engage in the unity of love that is Rockway Mennonite Church? What energy, energies do we have? What motivations do we share? And if you need suggestions, Liz's list has many to which you can attach yourselves. Look at, the, at the, the litany in the bulletin. They're all there. That's an invitation to search for the lost car keys. Well, and, and now here's a little sidebar on this, a little bemusement. It has to do with the numbers in the parable. We'll start with the context of the numbers. A Roman legion is made up of 10 cohorts. Hmm. A cohort is made up of six centuria, uh, six groups of nominally 100 soldiers. 100, hmm. 10 and 100. Numbers that fit the Roman army. Now if we take the parable as an expression of Jesus' behavior and interests, we can say that Jesus is looking for one to make the 99 into 100. Jesus is looking for one to make the 9 into 10. 
What's he doing here? Is he recruiting for an army of love? Is Luke taking a political swipe at the Roman occupation? Might be a bit of a reach. But if you've glanced ahead at our, gather, at, our, at our order of service in the bulletin, our hymn of response is, Oh, for a thousand tongues. We do it too. We're looking for that choir beyond all choirs to join in our gathering to find our way in joy through the kingdom. And so where do we end? Verses 6, 7, 9, and 10. Is it any wonder that the end of all of this is joy and a great party? What better image for the great ingathering of grace? What better way to celebrate the joy of coming together? And these are themes that are familiar to us in the Gospels. Celebration, banquet, the great heavenly feast. Themes of God's gathering of all creation in the unity of love. If we come back to that hide-and-seek notion, that cosmic hide-and-seek, what we're talking about is the great home-free. Take a moment to remember if you played hide-and-seek. The thrill of finding the perfect hiding spot. And then the great anticipation as the it started to search. And then all the laughter and the glee of finding someone if you were it. The manic dash for home. The tumble in the grass because you ran faster than your legs could carry the breathless laughter at the home because we had to ask, where were you hiding? And where were you hiding? And how much is the visiting after our service this morning going to be that conversation? So where did you hide this summer? And where did you hide? How exciting to find out what we've, where we've been and what we've done. Do you remember Robert Fulgham? Kindergarten wisdom. Do you remember the one about watching kids in the neighborhood play hide-and-seek? About the little boy hiding in a bush just under his window? And about everyone else being found except the boy hiding in the bush under his window? Not budging. Even when night was falling and they were calling, come on in. Not budging once. And you remember about Fulgham leaning out his window and yelling, Get found, kid! What a beautiful gathering Sunday image. God leaning out of heaven's window, yelling to all of us, Get found, kids! <laughs> I remember my mother playing endless games of hide-and-seek with our kids up on the farm. It was all of this and more because she was indefatigable. <laughs> I heard somebody use that to describe Queen Elizabeth this week and I thought, yeah, that was my mom too. 
It was all of that and more. It was the squeal of delight. It was the peals of laughter. It was our kids falling into grandma's open arms, caught inescapably in her bosom of joy. What great joy, what great anticipation, what great feasting when all creation gathers in the unity of love that is God. This is our expectation today, that in our gathering, in whatever is new or whatever is familiar, in our worship, in our learning, in our growth, in our care for one another, in our care for all humanity and all creation, that we might have the eyes of Jesus, open and expansive, generous and inclusive, finding God's best in all, for all, regardless. That we might have the relentless passion of God, lighting up the corners of our imagination, drawing us further into the unity of love that we might be spirited by the open arms of a God-grandma, a grandma-god, abandoned into joy, delighted in our being, a beloved community found in the unity of love that is God, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.